Well, good morning. Will you stand with me as we read the scripture together? We're going to go to the Gospel of St. John, and I'm going to ask you to uh, just read along. We don't have to read out loud, but just let's read this story. Those of us that grew up in church, this is a familiar story. For those of you who might be hearing it for the first time, it's an incredible story. Check this out. Jesus later crossed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd followed him because they saw the miracles that he performed for the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain and he sat with his disciples. The time for the Jewish Passover festival was near. And as Jesus saw a large crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? And Jesus asked this question to test him. He already knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, we would need about a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of them to have a piece. One of the disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, told him, a boy who has five loaves of barley bread and two small fish is here. But they won't go very far for so many people. Jesus said, have the people sit down. The people had plenty of grass to sit on, and there were about 5,000 men in the crowd. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to them, to the people who were sitting there. He did the same thing with the fish, and all of the people ate as much as they wanted. And when the people were full, Jesus told his disciples, I love this part, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. And the disciples gathered the leftover pieces of bread, and it filled 12 baskets. Pray with me. Father, we are so grateful to be here today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for our guests that are here, and thank you for those that are regular attenders, Lord. Such a joy to be able to come together for this time and to worship you. And God, we just pray that everything that's said, sung, and done in this service brings glory to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, amen. Have a seat. So for the last few weeks, we've been studying about miracles, right? And we've been taking turns, and uh, it's interesting to see that God, in one of the miracles, is the, atom of, uh, is the God of every atom in the universe, uh, that you can't go anywhere by accident was another one of the miracles. God is setting up a divine appointment for you and I, and we are part of someone else's miracle, was what Blake preached about. And I missed that. I was gone home and uh, down to Bowling Green. And I was going home, and I didn't get, but I listened on the podcast, and that was a wonderful message. And, you know, I catch myself through the week uh, remembering that because it's like you're nowhere by chance. Jesus, in this story that we just read about, pulls away from the crowd. We see him doing that in the Gospels a lot. And why do you think he did that? Can you imagine having throngs of people constantly following you? And so he would pull away. He got on this Sea of Galilee and goes across. It's about four miles to the other side. So he goes over to the other side. He's got the disciples. And some scholars think that when Jesus would get these guys like that and they would get together, they would talk. He would instruct them as the disciples tell them things, give them instructions, and that he would also pray. It's amazing how much Jesus prayed. Go through the Bible and the New Testament and the Gospels and look at the number of times that Jesus prayed. So he's over there with these disciples, and they're, they're on the side, and they look up after a little while, and all of a sudden they see this throng of people coming. The folks had followed him around 
the Sea of Galilee, it was a nine-mile walk one way. I'd hate to walk nine miles. I don't even want to drive nine miles, to be honest with you. So they come around over there, and they got this situation. Jesus, as, as Jesus always does, tries to provide the needs, right? And so he says to these guys, he says, hey, these folks are hungry. There's 5,000 of them. And I want to look at something. That, you know, isn't it funny when you read the Bible, if you've been in a, in a, in a, as a Christ follower, isn't it funny, Chad, how sometimes you'll read something and you don't even see it, and then the next time you read it, it's like, man, that's right where I'm living, right? So this story really caught me pretty heavy because there's a couple fellas in this that I really hadn't paid much attention to. I always looked at the little boy. You know, like, that's really cool. He's got his little lunchbox, and he's, you know, probably a superhero lunchbox. and got his thermos there, you know. But I want you to look at something here. The first one is Philip. Philip was from the area. And in this passage of Scripture, it's interesting because Jesus says, they're hungry, we need to get some food. And, you know, Philip knew, the set, he knew, he knew where the nearest McDonald's was, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And he knew where they could get food. It, it was a common place for him. And do you, know, you see what he says? He says, oh, man, look at all these people. Huh, look at all these people. It would take a year's wages to feed these people. Any of you women ever had a big doings at your house, run out of food? No? Good job. One night we had 80 people come over. Or no, it was, I don't know. It was Diane's family, so there had to be 60 or 80 of them. There usually is. And we ran out of chili, man. I ran to Skyline was buying it by the buckets full. But Philip is in this situation, and he's got this in his mind. He was from the area, and he was saying, it's going to take a year's salary to provide food for these people. The problem with Philip was he was focusing on the problem, not the possibility. Anybody here ever do that? I'm your guy. I'm the one. I'm the, I'm the staff warrior and the staff problem guy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Andrew says, oh, it's a year's worth of salary. We're not going to be able to feed all these people. What are we going to do? And he was focusing on the problem instead of the possibility. Really? Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, is standing right beside of him. I'm thinking to myself, you know, Philip, man, this dude's got some issues, you know. Really, Kent, who's standing with you? Wow. Today, maybe there's something going on in your life. I would venture to say that we all have things at different times. And what I want to tell you is that are you doing, like Philip, are you just dwelling on the problem all the time? Because you know what can happen? It can just suck the life out of you. And as Christ followers, I don't think that's where we're supposed to be. Now, somebody say amen, because that's good right there. I'm not saying that we're supposed to be problem-free and la-la-la, singing happy songs all the time. I know it, reality is reality. But the fact of the matter is, you have a living Lord that walks with you every day. Remind me of that in the morning, will you, somebody? Call me, yeah. Focus on the possibilities. Now, there's another guy in this picture, and he's not from this side of town. His name is Andrew. You see that in the, in the scripture there? 
And Andrew, I can just kind of see him, he's looking around, and he sees this little kid, and this kid's got this little basket lunch fixed. He's got two fishes, five loaves, this is new math, two plus five equals 5,000 plus 12 left over. That's new math. Andrew goes to this little boy, and he says, hey, this kid's got some, well, he probably didn't say it like that, this child has some food, and they brought it over there. Now, I, I did a little research on this, because I'm thinking, is this like a happy meal, or what is this like? You know, I mean, how big is this? And in this area of the country, uh, where he was, fish were about the size of sardines. Man, I eat a can of possum sardines by myself. That's cultured right there, I'm telling you. I just slipped out, Chad. I don't know where that came from. You can't hide country, can you? It just comes to the top. These fish were like this long. He's got two of them, and he's got five loaves of barley bread. It's interesting that he mentions barley bread because barley bread is kind of the cut-rate bread. It wasn't the top shelf. So he's got these two little fish and and this bread, and all these people stand there, and Andrew doesn't, you know, he doesn't see a problem. He gives it to Jesus. Andrew was faithful with what he had. Now, we got one that sees the problem. We got one that sees the possibility. This morning, where are you? Where am I? This young boy shared his lunch, but give Jesus what you have to be Lord over and over again. How many times in your life You say, well, Kent, I don't have any talent. I don't have any gifts. Really? Really? God created you unique just who you are. He created you with a gift and a grace. He gave you something. I don't know what it is, but you have a gift. Every person in this room has a gift. And, you know, I was thinking about my time here for the last eight years. When I first came here eight years ago, there was a lady. She'll kill me if I mention her name, so I'm not going to mention her name. She was a piano, is a piano player, and she said, I can't play that music that you're playing. And you know what she did? She took her gift of music and she laid it on the altar. And God is using her every day because she saw a possibility. Somebody say amen, that's good. There was another person that I remember in this church I would call on him, well, you know, in the praise team, we have a study group every Tuesday night. We, we read the Bible. And to me, that's just as important as singing. And I'm not telling you that to be self-righteous. I think it's important that we stay in the Word. And I said, you know, I don't care if we sing a, sing a note if, we're not, if our hearts aren't right. So we do this Bible study. Well, when it comes time to pray, I, you know, give me, doing this. Everybody looking down. Nobody want me to call on him to pray. Don't make eye contact. He's going to pray on you. got to pray out loud. Don't do that. And I found out one guy had a little problem with that. But I went to him and I said, listen, dude, I've seen you in a pickup truck. I've rode with you down 18 in a pickup truck, and he's waving at everybody in the street. Pulls up to a stoplight, rolls my window down, starts talking to the people next to me. And I said, all I'm asking you to do is talk to the Lord. And you know what he did? He led us in prayer this morning as the share group got ready, as the praise team got ready to go to church. He offered what he had, just like the lady that played the piano. There was a young man that came in over the youth group five, four, six, I don't know, years ago, several years ago. And he, he was one of these kids. You could just see he had natural talent. 
I mean, he, he was just amazing. So I came over here and begged for guitars. I said, anybody got old guitars in your closets? You know, bring them in. We're going to start guitar lessons. I hate teaching lessons. But this kid wanted to do that. I'm happy to report to you today that not only does he play the guitar over there, he plays the drums and anything else you put in his hands. He gave what he had to the Lord and God blessed it. My question is, what are you doing? What am I doing? This can get real personal real quick, doesn't it? It gets personal real quick. I can tell you this. I will tell you this. Whatever you place in his hands, you better mean it. You better give it to him, and then you better not take it back. You better give it to him and leave it alone. And truly mean what you're, what you're, what you're saying. And you know what I like, what I love in the church? I love, this, I love this in the church. And I do love the church, by the way. I do. I love the church. But I like this one, and I think it's something we've created culturally is, well, you know, I raised my kids, and they're all grown, and so it's somebody else's time to take care of those kids and teach them in vacation Bible school. Really? Where's that at in the New Testament? Oh, you know, I served my time. I was, <clears throat> you know, I did this and I did that. And Really? Come on now. Are you with me or not? They're getting quiet on me now, Lee. What I'm saying is that you have gifts and graces, and those gifts and graces, they don't go away. And just because you've maybe gotten more mature, it's a great opportunity for you to give what you have to the Lord and bless somebody else. Instead of looking at the problems in your life, personally, that may be going on, look at the possibilities. Look back. Look back at your walk with Christ. Remind yourself. Look back. Do you remember what was going on 10 years ago? 20 years ago? Something major, right? No, I can't even remember it now. You might be able to remember some of them, but the fact of the matter is God got you through that. My point is, give it to the Lord. Give what you have to the Lord. And do it over and over and over. We're on a journey here, man. It's not a destination. We're on a journey together. And you know what? It takes every single one of us to do this. That's the way he set this up. That's why you have the gifts you have, and I have the gifts I have. And a guy comes to me one day, and he said, I'd give anything if I could play the piano like you do. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I'd give anything if I could drive a nail. He went, what? He said, anybody can drive a nail. An idiot can drive a nail. I said, thanks a lot. I can't. <laughs> My wife hangs the pictures in our house. Now, it takes a real man to stand up here and tell you that. Use what you have over and over. There's a lot of gifts and graces in this room, and God's not finished with you yet. If he was, you wouldn't be here. Somebody say amen, because that's true. I've said it before. You look at those guys in the Old Testament. Look at those guys in the New Testament. Some of them guys didn't even get started until they were older than I am now. Oh, Lord. Can you imagine? Can you imagine taking a group of people to the promised land at 80 years old? Oh, not enough hand sanitizer. I said that out loud too, didn't I? Give what you have to Jesus. So which one do you relate to, Philip or Andrew? Deuteronomy 7.13. This is a great verse, and I love what it says. 
I will bless you and I will love you and I will multiply you. It says that about a hundred times in the Bible. Example after example in the Bible that God will multiply you if you give what you have to him. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean if I throw in 20, I'll get 50? You know, there's people that believe that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, you look at the apostles, man, they wasn't riding high. They didn't have a, you know, nothing wrong with good things and having things. But my point is, when you pray and give it to God, you let him give it to you exactly the way he wants to. Come on, that's, you know, I mean, we, we, we want to pray about something and say, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. I want you to do it my way. And I found that my way usually winds up in a catastrophe. You know, crash and burn kind of thing. You give it to God and then be obedient to what he tells you to do. And that's not always easy. But I tell you what, it's the most rewarding thing in life that you can do is to follow him. You know, just because you can't do something doesn't mean that God can't. In 1939, there was a guy named George Dancing, and he entered the uh, University of California at Berkeley in the statistics department. My kind of guy. Here's where he was my kind of guy. He was late for class one day. That's more my kind of guy right there. He walked in, and there was this problem on the board, a statistical problem on the board. Now, he's late. He doesn't know what's going on. He slips in. And he writes this problem down, and he goes home, uh, goes back to his dorm or wherever he leaves. And he didn't hear on the front end of this that that problem was impossible to figure out. Guess what happened? He solved the problem, turned the project in late, and they found out this guy was a genius. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean God can't. Just because what you're in going through in your life right now and you're in the middle of something and you don't know what to do doesn't mean that God doesn't know what to do. And we have to trust him and trust that what he got for us is best. I was, uh, I used to sell pianos and I worked my way up and I was, I was working for a guy one time and he gave me a great example of what I just told you. He come in here to me one day, we had, we had some pianos that were very expensive and the one at the top end was $104,000. I think it's one hundred and seven now. I'm not bragging to you. I'm just telling you the price of this piano. And he come in here and he said, now, when you get ready to sell this one, he said, you got to remember one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, just because you can't afford it doesn't mean somebody else can't. You know? And that's kind of the way it is with God. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean that it's impossible. You've got to put your faith and trust, and I have to put my faith and trust in God and know that he's got my best interest, and he's going to bring me through this. He's going to bring me through this. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. We all have those moments when our faith is tested. How many of you would have got out of grade school if you'd never took a test? That's what I thought. High school, wouldn't have got out of there. College, never would have made it without a test, right? There are going to be things in life that are going to come down the pike, and they're going to knock you for a loop, knock me for a loop. That's the, that's the bad news. But the good news is you're not alone. You're not alone. Jesus told those disciples before he left, he said, boys, you're going to have tribulation in this world. Now, I could just see me. Yeah, I sold that boat, gave up that net, did this, did that, did all this for you. Now you're leaving. Oh, man. Now it's all going to fall apart. God's got this. God's got this. He said, you're going to have tribulations. Here's what he said. 
be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Does that mean it's going to be problem-free? No. Does that mean we're going to just skate on through life? No. Look back. Look back. Remember those times, those things that's happened in your life? But God brought you through those. And he's going to get you through this one. And don't you give up. Don't give up. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. All right, so we got these two guys. We're dealing with this kind of thing, problem here. The point is God's going to prove himself in this story, but you got to give it to him. Your generosity can become somebody else's miracle. Have you ever been blessed by somebody else? Been blessed because of what somebody else did? And I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about just maybe your time, maybe sharing something with somebody. You know, but sometimes we get so locked in like Philip. Well, you know, this is the way we've done it. This is the way we've always done it. But when it stops working, then you need to do it another way. I don't like change any more than anybody else does. I heard an old preacher say one time, the only person that likes change in a church is the baby in the nursery. And it's true. None of us like change. But you know what? We change everything else in our lives, for the most part, don't we? To be reaching people. And in church, sometimes you have to do that, and it's tough. But God gives us grace, and you give what you have. You know, people talk about the vision of our church and what our church is going to be. You know what I want our church to be? I want our church to be what God wants Burlington Baptist Church to be. Somebody came to me one day and said, you guys can't do that. I said, do what? Well, you play this kind of music and that kind of music. I said, it's not about the music. It's about Jesus. And if I have to play an accordion, and I don't like accordion, and it brings people to Jesus, that's what I'll be playing up here on Sunday until you run me off. But you, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and find out what God wants us to do instead of seeing the problem See the possibilities. Do you realize that the problems sometimes are the things that bring on the best things that could ever happen? Did that make sense? Sometimes the darkest hour is right before it's going to be incredible. Any of you ever experienced that? How about a testimony? Okay, so yeah. So what do you see today? Do you see a possibility or do you see a problem? Have I covered all these points? No? We have to be willing to let God work in our lives? Is that the next one? The disciples are great examples of this. If I were to ask you, who do you look up to in your, in your faith walk? It probably wouldn't be somebody that sits down, sits back, and does nothing. I doubt it. If I were to ask you who you look up to, it's going to be the people. And it's not about works, but it's about people who are motivated by their faith in Christ to go out and do things. You have to be willing to let God work in your life. And that means there's going to be some sacrifice. That means there's going to be challenges. You know, I think, uh, I think about people that I've seen in my life as they've gotten older. They seem to lose their identity sometimes because jobs change. Maybe they retire, and then it's like all of a sudden they got nothing. 
I did this for all my life. You know, well, you know what? Your identity isn't in your job. Your identity is in Jesus if you're a Christ follower. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And there's something that you can do with that. You may be here today, and you may be at a, at a crossroads in your life. You may be 80. You may be 25. Here's what I say to you today. Do like the disciples. and Do like Andrew and give it to the Lord. And trust that he's going to take you through it over and over and over again. I shared with you the testimony of how, you know, the Lord has done things in my own personal life. And it's, it's scary sometimes. It's not easy. And you know what? Sometimes it's not just like, here it is. Sometimes it's kind of gray. and You've got to kind of just walk by faith. The disciples, you see that over and over in their lives as well, don't you? Where they took a step and then all of a sudden, boom. They got up and preached that day on the day of Pentecost, and mega church was built overnight, 3,000. And you know what? They wasn't worried about the model of what they were trying to do in their church. They wanted to preach Jesus Christ and preach him boldly. And if you do that, if we do that, people will be drawn to Jesus. I'm just dumb enough to believe that. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. God will multiply what you place in his hands. I've seen so many examples of that over my lifetime. And again, it's not just finances. I, I remember, and this is going to be kind of a strange illustration, but it's where I live. I remember when I started as a young man, you know, you start playing, and then you got a piano lick, you got something you can really do well. Somebody wants to know how to do that, Sandy, and you're kind of like... I'm not going to show you that lick. I don't want you, you know what I'm talking about? And people in church would come in and say, how do you do that? I don't know about that. And I remember the first time that I started playing and sharing piano, it was like God just poured a fountain down on me with all kinds of new things started happening. Next thing I know, they're calling me to do recording sessions. Now, that's a personal testimony to share with you. It's not for my glory, but it was like God used what I'd given him. And you know what? There's testimonies in this church. I don't want to get personal, but I know people that are sitting right here right now that have told me, you know, for the longest time, I didn't think I could afford to tithe, so I didn't. And then I started tithing, and holy moly, you can't outgive God. Yeah, see? So give what you have to the Lord. This week, I don't know what's coming down the pike. I'm glad I don't. I believe God put that in our mind so that we don't have to get too torqued out of shape about whatever's coming. You know what I mean? But I know this. I am going to do my best tomorrow morning and this afternoon when I walk out that door, I'm going to do my best to be like Andrew and not stay focused on the problem, but look at the possibilities. And when I have a problem that comes into my life, I want to give it to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. That's my message for today. If you're here today and you have never followed Christ as your personal Savior, I don't even know where to begin other than tell you, man, it's the sweetest ride in life. That doesn't mean it's not problem-free. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt sometimes. But I can tell you this, you're not alone. You've got somebody carrying it with you. Well, how do I become a Christian, Kent? Well, you know, these disciples in the book of Acts, I don't know if any of you guys watching this show on Sunday nights on NBC, me and Diane have been watching that. It's 12 weeks, about A.D., about the first church. And basically, you see what the New Testament church is about. They follow up, they go out, they preach the gospel boldly, and people come to Jesus. And you know how they do that? They confess their sins, and they accept him into their heart, and they follow him in baptism. 
Isn't that amazing? And the benefits are out of this world. If you're here today and you've never made that profession of faith, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're just tired of the struggle. I want to encourage you to pray. You don't have to come down here to pray, but you know what? Sometimes getting public, not that you're down here praying in front of people, but just come down here and falling on your knees. I wish we had to replace this carpet, by the way, about every four months. Wouldn't that be cool from people praying? 